Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Yuffie X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. If this is the first time you're listening, thank you so much. If you're returning, thank you even more. Um, honestly, would not have a career if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much for choosing to listen. I hope you had a good week. Um, my week is pretty low-key for the most part. Lots of family time. Um, I could really... Like I'm looking outside right now as I record, it's Thursday uh, at about 12 o'clock and it's like lovely outside, but it does feel like the weather has been not great. I'm ready for that to end. I'd like more sunshine. I'd like the temperature to increase. I'm sick of being cold. Those are my overall feelings. Um, but we had quite a cozy weekend in my parents' house in Wexford and lots of fires and stuff, which was really nice. Intentional fires in the fireplace, if you know what I mean. And I do enjoy the cozy. Um, other than that, I went with Aoife uh, to the Late Late Show on Friday night where she was absolutely brilliant. Um, I was her wing woman in the green room, which was gas. Um, got to listen to herself and Bertie Hearn have a, have a conversation about how, which direction they feel the Late Late Show should go in. Sometimes you have these moments where you're like, this is like, what is my life? This is so completely surreal. Um, but she was brilliant. Uh, brilliant representative, I think, of... The people of Northern Ireland and people her age of Northern Ireland, especially. Um, other than that, yeah, not a lot. I've just been quite tired and I feel kind of still quite hibernate-y. I don't know about you. I, I think that's why I'm, I need the sun to like bring me out of hibernation. I'm ready to move on to the next phase of my life um, and get out and start living again. Um, today we've got loads of good stuff coming up. Don't forget if you have any thoughts or feelings about anything that comes up in the podcast, I love to hear from you. You can send me a voice note. A voice note is my preferred, but if you would like to text, that's okay too. I prefer a voice note because then I get to actually hear you and kind of get to know you. And I really enjoy that. The number is 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423. The, um, voice mailbox is there ready for you in WhatsApp. 
And uh, yeah, don't forget the Patreon is there too. You can go to patreon.com forward slash catch up with Louise McSharry and sign up if you want an extra episode every second week. Um, last week was an episode, uh, as I told you, about uh, Madonna, really. We started off with Ray of Light, myself and John Sullivan, who you may know from Gogglebox. We started off with Ray of Light, but then we moved into a broader Madonna conversation. It was good fun. And then next week, there'll be a mailbag episode up for you where I respond to your thoughts and comments and questions. So there you go. Anyway, we might as well just get stuck in now. Uh, there's lots to talk about in the news. So I hope you enjoy. Eva Moore, how delightful to be back in your presence once again. You've got the hair mask in. Lovely. Love that for you. Once a week. Just fired on there. I'm so bad at all of that admin. It's mm. crazy. Like I have all of the product in the world. Yeah, like literally do. everything. And I still find it hard to like get the time or like even think of doing that kind of thing. It's more like I'll do it and then go to the gym. So mm. it's like you look like shit anyway. And then it's like your hair's just softer. And then I have someone else's hair sewed under my head. So I feel like I need to be nice to it. I see. Yes. yes. That is a different factor <laughs> that I have not yet experienced. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we are here to talk about the news. So we might as well do that. And the entire, I feel like everyone's lives has been taken over by the visit of one president, Joe Biden. Mr. Mr. Biden. Yeah. So um, Uncle Joe, Sleepy Joe, arrived um, on Tuesday. Uh, late Tuesday evening and do Belfast. Don't believe the hype. Belfast Airport is not in Belfast. Okay. It's, an, it's an interim. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he arrived in. Um, he was met, welcomed by uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. Um, he stayed, um, the, I actually don't know if we're allowed to say this. Yeah, we can't. He stayed at a, at a, like the, um, um, a diplomatic residence. Um, and then he had a very brief breakfast with the Prime Minister in the Grand Central Hotel in Belfast. So he met with Rishi. There is a lot of talk because Monday was the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Good Friday Agreement, mm. which brought a very fragile peace um, to Northern Ireland. So they had that talk. They talked about the storm and stalemate. And then they went to, he bypassed Stormont because there is no one sitting there. And instead did a speech at the Ulster University in Belfast, um, I would argue, and many people have pointed out that he couldn't have picked anywhere better. The Ulster University campus in Belfast should be in Derry, um, which doesn't have uh, a university and has stalled progress in the northwest. And the university itself is contributing to the housing crisis in Belfast. So he couldn't have picked a better place um, to do the talk about a peace process that is falling apart at the seams. <laughs> right. I see. <laughs> he said, as we mark the 25th anniversary of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, Ulster University, across all three of our campuses, is, is looking forward to preparing the next generation of civic and societal leaders. Um, Mr. Biden uh, then travelled on to the Republic, which is why now today, Thursday, everything in Dublin is shut down. Traffic is mental. Um, you know, Dol Aaron has been taken over mm. by Secret Service um, agents. Um, so what he'll do yesterday, he had, he had gone to Leuth, um, where his people are from originally. The Corona's played, which I thought was hilarious. Like the thought of President Biden, like bopping away the San Diego song, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably their oldest song. I just can't remember anything else. Um, yeah. And then, so today, Thursday is the big day. So he's going to the Aris to meet President Michael D. Higgins. And then he will go to the Dáil, um, where he will make a speech um, and address the Arctis. And then Friday, he will fly into Knock Airport and go to Mayo, where his other 
side of the family are from. Uh, he'll go to Knock Shrine. And then he will do a big speech at the cathedral in Ballina. So the whole point of this visit um, was supposed to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. And this week has really pointed out that Northern Ireland is not where it should be. Because of that, so on Monday um, in Derry, there was, I'm not going to call it a riot, because for me, it might look like a riot to other people, but to me it was pretty small and quite organised. You know, riots tend to break out because of different things. So every Monday, every Easter Monday, dissident Republican groups um, in Derry and other places have a march, because obviously Easter is about dealing with the Republican uh, tradition. Um, they had a march, and then outside our cemetery in Craigan, um, a riot started. The people involved in the riot are very young. Like you mm-hmm. know, to look at the videos. There was a um, wee boys there that looked about nine or ten, what? throwing petrol bombs at Land Rovers police. Where Andover's. are nine and ten year olds getting petrol bombs? Yes. So these petrol bombs and the young teenagers are learning to make the petrol bombs from older men. This is what happens. It happens in loyalist communities and it happens in Republican communities as well. These are children and young people who have been left behind by the Good Friday Agreement. There has been no peace dividend for these young people. There's no jobs. There is no opportunity. There is not stable housing. So these young people don't really feel um, that Westminster offers them anything, that Stormont offers them anything. And that is how they are groomed into joining these gangs. And these are criminal gangs pretending they have anything to do with politics and they don't. Well, the thing is, nine and ten-year-olds presumably aren't thinking that no. deep politically, um, but they maybe are... They're following the big boys. In, and neglected, perhaps, in yeah. ways that are a result of those issues. Yeah, and like people were giving off about Derry and Craigan and saying, you know, as usual, blah, blah, blah. I would like to point out that the Derry and Strabane District Council is the poorest in the UK. Mm. So this isn't happening in the Malone Road in Belfast and it's not happening in the Cummel Road in Derry. It's not happening in middle class places. It happens when there is vulnerable kids with very little opportunity. And the cons- like the celebration of the Good Friday Agreement, should it should be celebrated. It was making the impossible happen. You know, so many people showed incredible political courage. And we need to remember that the public in Northern Ireland voted for it overwhelmingly in a place where a lot of people suffered a lot at the hands of their neighbours and the people who were supposed to be in charge. Mm. Like, we let everyone out of jail. Mm. Like, if you were in jail for a terrorist conviction, we let everybody out of jail under the Good Friday Agreement. That was a lot for people to handle. Big time, yeah. Like, that was a serious compromise. Like, if your partner or your father or whoever was murdered by an IRA man and mm-hmm. you had a, could run into him in Tesco's or murdered by a loyalist gang and then you could see them enjoying their life at a football match like that's why the good friday agreement is to be celebrated that people had had so much bravery to compromise absolutely but the time that we have had since has not been utilized properly Mm. um we are looking down the barrel of one of the worst domestic violence rates in europe um unemployment long-term debt Mental health. More people, by 2018, more people had killed themselves in Northern Ireland that had died in the entirety of the Troubles. Mm-hmm. So that is the sort of stuff I would have liked to see Rishi Sunak talk about. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, fair enough, he's the leader of the free world. I don't know if he has to be that arsed about our domestic violence rates. But I think people like Rishi Sunak, who pretend that they have an interest, should be trying to address these problems. Absolutely. Rather than patting themselves on the back. And, you know, quite hilariously, Rishi Sunak who is a Conservative Party Prime Minister, 
couldn't stop talking about the Good Friday Agreement despite the Conservative Party having absolutely nothing to do with the Good Friday Agreement. So it's been a week. Yeah. Um, I've been very busy. I bet, yeah. Well, I think... I think, for the most part, and I think most people who listen to this will, uh, would agree that it is very nice that the American president takes such an interest in Ireland. Um, it does a lot for us when it comes to foreign direct investment and all of that. But in the long term, it doesn't really do much for the people of Ireland. And it's nice to be excited. And he seems like a nice man. But Yeah, like I've no beef with yeah, Joe Biden, but it's kind of annoying, to be honest. Yeah. Like town is shut down, basically. Like everybody's been told essentially to stay home. Mm. Like people, the homeless people in the Phoenix Park have been asked to move on. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's a lot of pomp and ceremony. Yeah. And, yeah. and the the I think the the matter of homeless people being asked to move on is particularly grim. It's also particularly grim that the two weeks off that the doll gives themselves every year was cut short, not to discuss the eviction ban, but to allow the president <laughs> to attend. <laughs> but as I say, I mean it's nice that they take an interest, and uh, without the Americans, the Good Friday Agreement probably wouldn't have happened either. So yeah, um, welcome to Joe. Okay, okay. Next, unfortunately, we have to talk about the death of Gyla Ibram, um, a sex worker who died in Limerick, um, and the subsequent conversation around yeah. it. So, um, Gyla Ibram was murdered. She suffered several stab wounds um, in the dock road in Limerick um, on April 4th. So, that was nearly 10 days ago, um, 10, 11 days ago. Um, she hadn't been um, in Ireland that long. Um, when She's she, Romanian, right? Yeah, yeah, when she was attacked and she had been working as a sex worker. Um, I think we should all remember um, that there is a woman dead here and I even though mm. there has been a long debate about this now, I think we need to remember the person 100%. Um, involved. She was just 27 when she was killed and we don't know the ins and outs of it at the minute, um, but we do know that she was also a mother. Um, so... The debate that has started now is because for years, um, for the last four years, Ireland uh, changed our law four years ago. The purchase of sex is illegal, but the selling of sex is not. It's called the Nordic model. Mm-hmm. Um, it was started in Sweden. And there was a notion that if you criminalized the buyer, which is usually a man, um, if you criminalized the buyer and decriminalized um, the seller, which is usually a woman, it makes the woman more safe. This is not the case. Mm. Um, so sex workers across the world, um, even, but in this country, Sex Workers Alliance Ireland, and the most recent um, academic report from Queen's University in Belfast of Northern Irish sex workers tells us that it makes them more unsafe. Um, what they tell me is that women, men feel that they are taking all the risk because mm. they will be arrested and the woman will not be arrested. Um, which is also not the case, but we'll go into that in a minute. But they say that men, you know, there's a screening process. You can't just phone up and ask a sex worker, can you come over? They will mm-hmm. ask you your name, your age, what you do for a living, if you've seen a sex worker before, to get a feel of yeah. who you are um, before they meet you. When the sex workers ask these questions that they have always usually asked, the men say, why are you, are you asking all these questions? Are you a Garda? Is this a setup? I'm taking all the risk here then they might hang up, they might lose the custom. The woman can't afford to lose the custom, so they start asking less and less questions. Mm -hmm. The men feel strangely braver with the woman because they are taking all the risk and therefore they can demand what they want. Um, 
So we have seen an increase in violence against sex workers since we changed our laws. Um, and in the wake of the death of Gaila, um, people were saying, well, sex work is inherently dangerous and we need to stop sex work and then women won't die. Um, I think everyone could agree that that's laughable because um, most of the women who are murdered in Ireland are not murdered because they are sex workers. They are murdered because they are women and they are murdered by a close partner. Um, so the debate had started and Sex Workers Alliance Ireland, who do champion work representing sex workers, um, said, you know, that when the law was being debated in 2015 and 2016, sex workers and allies warned that the law would increase violence against us. Since that time, mountains of research, as well as the loved experiences of sex workers, has shown this to be correct. Everywhere the so-called Nordic model has been passed, sex workers have been murdered. It happens in France, it happens in Sweden, in the country of its origin, and now it has happened here. Um, so the review of the sex work law in Ireland still hasn't been published. Um, we were told it was going to be published before the end of the year. I had been chasing um, the department to give it to me first um, when I was working in the newspaper because I'd covered it so closely. They still don't have it. It's not April. Mm. Um, which when things are very delayed, like reports and reviews of legislation, it makes people less trusting in the review when it does come out. Mm. Um, but I think... And like I have made my feelings on sex work um, very clear and I think um, so people know how I feel about it. Um, but from the other side of it, you know, people will say, you know, she died because she was a sex worker. Um, I would argue she died because she was a woman. Um, and that's, you know, the National Women's Council had a statement like this week saying that, you know, we need to end demand. Um, and if we could end demand, the... The only way we could end demand, I believe, is that if we completely eradicated poverty and the housing crisis, um, I don't think this government or any government coming is going to do that. So, but even if we did, like, surely demand will never go. Demand will there never has end. always been sex work. Sex work is in the Bible. Like, so I find, and I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible because I know a lot of people don't agree with me. But I find the notion that you could end the demand for sex work laughable. Like, it just, it's, I feel the same way about drugs, to be honest. Yeah, it's like, a similar kind of argument. Yeah, there will always be drug taking. That's a reality. You were never going to, you know, the idea of the war on drugs mm. as, you know, it started in America in the 80s, I think it was. It's just, it's, it's, it's pointless. You're never going to win a war on drugs. And you're never going to win a war on sex work. It's always going to be there. So it's about whether or not you do your best to protect the people who are within that, mm. those kind of systems, as it were, is the question. And what what is the best way to do that? I saw a lot of um, actually sex workers from New Zealand responding to mm. the National Women's Council's tweets about this this week um, because in New Zealand um, they have, it's they call it, yeah, decriminalized and they have, you know, they call any sex work businesses brothels and an owner of a brothel has to have a special license and has to protect the people who work there basically make sure they're of age make sure that they're using safe sex practices mm -hmm. like you know there's restrictions around it yeah. and that makes total sense and and i saw many sex workers on twitter from new zealand saying just look at us yeah this is this way is better this is the way to go yeah i think as well whatever you think of sex work um the arguments for me are a lot like abortion in the way that um the things i hear and i've heard it from my own family like my mommy and stuff said well I wouldn't want my daughter to do it. I don't want to promote it. I think it's disgusting. You are more than entitled to have all those thoughts, mm. but it's still going to happen. And I think we should be trying to make the people who have to do it safer. Mm. You can think it's disgusting, 
But I would rather you think it's disgusting and people don't aren't put in danger, mm. fatal, mortal danger. Mm. Um, so you know, I the way I look at it is if, and then there's a lot of conflation with sex work and trafficking. No one yeah, is arguing. No one that. is arguing the trafficking should be legal. If it sex work is not consensual, that's pumping. Mm. Sex work has to be consensual in order for it to be sex work. People have to choose to do this. Mm. I'm not conflating this in any way with pumping or trafficking or mm. coercive sex work because that's rape. Mm. Um, but yeah, it started a longer debate and I am just really sad that someone had to die for the debate to start again. Mm. And also, I have to say that I feel like she has been lost in the conversation, yeah, which has. is really sad because, you know, this is a woman who had a life. And, who, and wanted to start a new life here. Yeah. And she died. So terribly sad. May she rest in peace. Um, finally, to finish on an up note, people are absolutely beside themselves about this. I I don't get it. We don't take the train regularly. See, the train to Belfast never lost the T-shirt. See, this is what I'm saying. So, so like, I think we have to accept that we are not going to have... We're not the market. No. <laughs> but people are absolutely thrilled because yeah. Irish Rail is bringing back the catering. The catering service is back. It was halted. Kind of. It was halted in 2020 due to COVID-19. But people are rejoicing that snacks and drinks and tea are back on board. They tweeted this, Irish Rail tweeted this week and said, with onboard catering resuming on the Cork to Dublin route later this month, please note there will be catering services available on a limited number of services on the Cork to Dublin route this week, operating for staff training. People rejoiced. Um, so it's called um, Rail Gourmet. <laughs> of course it is. Um, yeah, so the I didn't really notice this because the only train I get is the one to Belfast and I'm just saying, mm. they never got rid of theirs. Um, so it's back. People are buzzing because a lot of people obviously commute. Mm. Um, Dublin to Cork and tea, coffee, a couple of sarnies. Michael Fry was delighted about it. Many funny memes were launched. I'm happy for everyone who's happy about it. Me too. I would encourage everyone to get the train. Leave the car at home. I absolutely, I have to say, I love getting the train. Apart from people in Donegal because they don't have a train. Yeah, but, obviously. Uh, guys absolutely wild just we just forget about an entire section of the country but for everyone oh, who regularly to, gets the train partition. <laughs> that's a fair criticism a little joke there from my border people <laughs> for everyone who does get the train regularly who found themselves in the situ this week with the option of a catering area catering cart catering carriage is that no, what it's called? not a carriage. It's just a wee cart, like an airplane. I know, but they used to have. You used to be able to go to. Yeah, the, there was a wee shop. Yeah, like that's what I'm shop. saying. Yeah. Aye. So if you find Shout yourself out to the staff, I'd say it's a really boring again. job. Aoife. Do you not think it would be really boring? No. I always feel really sorry for um, air stewards as well. I couldn't do that. I think that it would. I actually loved that kind of like. I loved doing that kind of work before I did this kind of work. Like when I was a, a teenager in my early twenties, you're dealing with different people. People are fascinating. I know, but I just feel like we're a lot of waiting around. That's fair. Mm. But you have your phone now to wait around on. That is true. Anyway, look, <laughs> we digress. <laughs> happy for you. Happy for people who have work. Happy for those of you who can get your cup of tea or whatever it is you fancy on your train journeys this week. Eva Moore, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. 
as you know, the members of Ireland's women's national team are readying themselves for the World Cup this summer when they'll head to Australia and New Zealand to play for their country at the highest level. It's so exciting. I recently had a chance to catch up with players Saoirse Noonan and Anya Gorman to chat to them about the World Cup prep. At the time, they were gearing up for friendly matches against the USA, which you've probably seen happened last week and in which they played really, really well. Um, no small feat playing against the number one team in the world in a friendly match like that. We chatted about the reality of playing for your country as a woman and why financial support, like that which comes from Sky's Women's National Team Fund are so important. Well, I am speaking to you, my friends, from the Marker Hotel, where I am happy to be joined by two members of the Women's National Team, the Irish Women's National Team, of course, Saoirse Noonan and Anya O'Gorman. And you guys have been here today doing a special event for International Women's Day. How's it been? Yeah, it's been brilliant, I think. Obviously, we're here with Sky and just talking about the I Believe campaign and the mm. Sky bursary and that was launched and just the general and um, backing they've given the team and the success of the team qualifying for the World Cup and hopefully leaving a, leaving a legacy and um, inspiring the next generation. Yeah. What does it mean to have a sponsor like Sky? I think it's huge. Um, Sky being such a, a global um, company and everyone knowing about Sky and yeah, look, them coming on board also just, it just shows that again that they believed in us and it just shows that we're going in the right direction. Yeah, because I mean, obviously women's football in Ireland has been on quite a journey in terms of the respect that players have been given, the respect that the game has been given. And I guess it can't do you any harm to have a kind of big name brand like that on board. Yeah, I think so. Just even the exposure that mm. I think Sky has given the women's game with all their big ad campaigns, posters um, throughout the country and... Um, like I think that has instilled confidence as us as a team and the real uh, boosted team morale and I mm. think they've this real personal touch and interaction and you know that they, they do really believe in what, what they're trying to do and achieve and that probably gives us them extra percents on the pitch and the interaction as well with the fans has been really really special Well I definitely want to talk more about that but before we move on from Sky you mentioned the bursary there and I think a lot of people won't be familiar with the bursary or what it is and I know that both of you guys received the bursary last year and um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about what it is and maybe what a difference it made I know for you um, it was your business wasn't it? Yeah, so I started a business called Freedom Official Clothing and I was one of the, the five recipients of the bursary off Sky. So, yeah, look, it's helped me hugely the last 12 months. Um, it's allowed me to continue growing my business um, as well as move over to the UK and um, get my first professional contract in those 12 months. So, mm -hmm. yeah, look, without Sky, I probably wouldn't be in the position I am today. So, yeah, definitely been, been um, really grateful for that. Because that's the thing, isn't it, for you guys? I mean, you if you, you all have other things going on in your lives, yeah. you know, and um, you obviously have to balance time and commitments across the board, whether it's family or businesses and the game, of course. Um, so for Sky to kind of give you the bursary 25 grand, it's, you know, nothing to sniff at. Um, and you, on yeah, it was for you to get your refereeing badges, right? Coaching. Coaching, sorry. <laughs> I knew refereeing. I was going to get that. No, thanks, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle wanted to get a refereeing. I used to referee. So she might. <laughs> Fair play to you. No, I wasn't. I was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so look, I think the bursary is really important because it's like that whole person approach and it's not just about playing, it's thinking about life after football mm. um, as well, which is so important while you're so engrossed in the sport and you're playing at the time, you can. it's only really short-lived. Mm. Um, I suppose, yeah, so... I'm going to go on and do my FA coaching mm. um, qualification and upskill in that way and hopefully when I retire I can 
can give back to the game. Mm. And w- w- tell us more about the business. Um, it, what kind of clothing is it? Like, what's the? Is that your kind of end goal? Is that what you want to be doing when you, if you ever finish in football? I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll play forever. Yeah. Look, I think as Anya said, like we're so engrossed in the game. Um, when COVID came, I think obviously we weren't able to train as a team anymore. Mm. And um, yeah, look, I think it kind of put life into a bit of a perspective for me. And yeah, look, I think it was a bit away from the pitch and we do do a bit of like jerseys for teams and stuff and for summer camps mainly um, and sports baths and stuff. But it's more kind of just leisure wear, mm. um, what we probably wear every single day of our lives. <laughs> um, and we're always giving out about different jumpers and stuff. So yeah, it's just kind of like at the start, it was kind of just a hobby. Um, design stuff that I like wearing, that mm. I think is comfortable, that I know the girls will think it's comfortable. And yeah, um, it's unisex clothing, so... Um, I love when I see lads, girls, men, women all wear it. And mm. yeah, look, the name came from Saoirse in English means freedom, and that's where the name came from. So yeah, it's just it's just nice to have something I suppose away from the football yeah. um, field. Even though I hope to have lots of um, years left in my career, um, it is uh, something that I enjoy doing in the evenings and something that I literally just enjoy doing. And with Sky coming on and kind of seeing that as well and mm. hopefully with it becoming maybe a full-time job when I do stop playing yeah. um, is really it's really nice to see early doors. Are you not wrecked? Like you're like there that this is what I do in the evenings. I'm like, would you not just watch a bit of TV? No. <laughs> um, I suppose because I enjoy it. Same as yeah. like training. Um, like these girls have done it long enough doing full-time jobs nine to six and then going training in the evening. Yeah. So for me, I think I'm kind of blessed that I get to go home and kind of sit down and train in the mornings and then go on my laptop but yeah as I said like I always think um, life's too short not to do things that you're enjoying yeah and I enjoy it and if I if I don't enjoy part of it then I kind of pack of that day and yeah go on to the next day but um yeah I just love doing it and I love I love where I am right now and what I'm doing so yeah that's great um you mentioned the connection with the fans earlier and there has been a real growth in terms of the levels of support that you guys are receiving. Obviously, qualifying for the World Cup is a big deal, but I was at that match in Tala um, the, against Finland and it was jam-packed and you hadn't qualified yet at that stage. So what did that feel like? Yeah, I think it's amazing. It's extra special, I think, to go to Tala Stadium. And I remember um, playing, I think it was actually the Australia game, we were playing and you could hear the national anthem just to stand behind playing and kind of got made the hair stand up so uh, yeah look it's just special I think and to be able to interact with the young kids and yeah. fans and just inspire them and I think it's so special to them even my nieces come to the games and they yeah. think Tala Stadium is their best place ever yeah. they can't wait to go and <laughs> um, to go back so like that's a special I think to inspire the next generation and Obviously, the success of the team has been really important for what's come before us as well. And yeah. they paved the way through tougher times when they weren't getting the crowds, they weren't getting yeah. the conditions as well. Your Olivia Tills, your Emma Burns, Paula Gorman, who are here today, who speak so passionately mm. about the team and are um, so overjoyed that, that we're going to be playing the World Cup. Yeah, it's got to be so exciting. Yeah, I think I think I probably speak for both of us that it's a bit surreal. Um, I don't think it's really hit home yet. Like, obviously, we all speak about it every day and... It's always in the back of your mind, I think, every day. Everything you do is kind of, like, based around it, but I don't think it's really hit home yet that, like, it's actually going to happen. How does it work? Like, when do you go? Where do you stay? What's the story? We don't know. I know. We do not know. I'm dying to know. I want to know all the logistics. Um, Yeah, so obviously we're going to be playing two friendlies against America in April. Um, the USA, so the They'll best be team big in the world. Right? Massive yeah. games. Yeah. Um, 
and then we will be playing two games in Ireland before we go on Tallis Stadium. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, France is yeah, we'll it's a send off game. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you there for the buzz. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we'll fly out to Australia. And as far as I'm aware, we're based based in Brisbane. Okay. So we'll travel from there to our game. So, so different teams have different bases. Yes. Right. Yeah, so different teams are different bases and I think it's a whole logistical FIFA thing that we don't know that much about but I know the backroom staff and Vera mm. have put a lot they've, of thought. Yeah, they've got it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the finer details all, all matching up so what's best obviously for us as players really exciting as well that it's in Australia isn't it because obviously there's so many Irish people there so I mean I can only imagine that you're going to get incredible support yeah I think it's I think it's deadly that it's in Australia but also for some people they'd like it to be in Europe so it's well, not yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah but amazing what a country to go to and play it and um, the host nation in the opening game in an 80,000 yeah. seater where you hope half the stadium is packed full of Irish people it's just going to be um, some buzz but I find it I don't know about you Sir, but I find it too hard to get carried away myself and mm. think of that moment because there's yeah. still so much preparation time to, to go mm. until then so it's like one game at a time and I think it's just about enjoying the, the build up to it and um, when we're there just hopefully soaking up the atmosphere and focusing on the game and yeah. um, trying to get a result yeah I think it's I mean I'm doing exactly what you're saying you're trying not to do but like this, <laughs> this will be an experience that you guys will just remember for the rest of your lives like even if you play in another World Cup like it'll still this one has got to be extra special yeah I think um, there's a big group of players that have kind of been part of this whole campaign mm. um, even before it that have kind of got us to this position mm. and I think we have to as individuals and as a collective be grateful for that mm. and I think the next few weeks are going to be probably hectic um, but we really need to enjoy the moments like even today um, us sitting up there and looking down like seeing the players that have went and done it and now we're kind of in the group that's going to a World Cup it's, mm. it's really amazing and look there's players that will get to travel and won't get to travel and yeah. it's all bittersweet but we've all been part of the journey mm. and we all really need to enjoy the rest of the journey and just see where it takes us so yeah, yeah. look I think the hard work definitely doesn't stop now. It probably yeah. starts more so than ever. Um, and yeah, it's going to be, it's really going to be head down and all eyes on Australia in that first game for everyone. Yeah. Um, even the players coming back from injuries and stuff. And yeah, yeah look, it's it's exciting for everyone. And it's just a big a big push for, for everyone all together, I think, regardless yeah. of where you stand. So it's going to yeah. be exciting. Absolutely. Can I ask, Anya, you mentioned earlier um, the kids and there were so many kids. Every every one of your matches that I've been to, there's been so many kids and the enthusiasm is so intense and it's girls, but it's also boys. And I think that that's great. Like my two sons, um, like if you ask my three-year-old who his favorite football player is, he'll tell you there's two. And one of them is, yeah, Messi, but the other one is Katie McCabe. And like for a long time, it was only Katie. And, you know, I think that has a real impact on on how this generation of kids are going to grow up thinking about sport. What do you think? Yeah, I think the perception is changing and mm. I think that's down to exposure. It's down to the likes of Sky putting us out there. It's down to RT televising the games. It's down to the FEI promoting and getting the kids out to the games that mm. they don't see any difference to them. It's not women's football, men's football. It's just a game of football. They're mm. football players. They're not men. Yeah. They're not women. And I think it's great to see that, that shift in perception and I think even the stats that came out that Sky, the research Sky did, there's so many more um, parents that are going to encourage their kids to get into football and women's football as well and um, follow the team. So that's obviously um, fantastic to see. Yeah, and I saw also today that apparently more adult women are playing football um, kind of off the back of your success as well. That's an amazing influence to be having, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think I think again, look, it's just amazing, and as I said, it's it's the backing that we've got. Um, when you walk down the street and you see you see one of the girls on a billboard and a bus stop, you're kind of saying, "God, they're on my team." Mm. Or you see a bus pass, and it's just it is like can't see it, can't be it. So mm. I think even for us, we kind of um, get inspired by seeing our teammates and like how much Sky have pushed it, how much the FA are pushing it, seeing Talis sell out, all these little things are definitely encouraging it. And in saying that, there is more people getting involved because there's more opportunity out there now for women. Mm. Yeah, and I think we need women in all positions. Like you talk about referees earlier, we talk about administration in them mm-hmm. positions that are making decisions and can make them happen. Can we encourage more women to get involved in coaching mm. at grassroots level? Can they have the, the confidence um, to go out there and do it? Like it's the norm for a man to go out and play over 35s yeah. football we need to make that now the norm for women and create that opportunity that equal access so that yeah. they can go out and play recreational yeah. sport as well it's not just all about the elite level it's about getting girls into football and keeping girls in football because I've played with so many my friends that played football made it basketball and they're dropped out in their teenage years and now they really regret it yeah I know that there's a lot of research um, around that and around what happens and it, it, a lot of the time it comes down to kind of body confidence mm-hmm. um, can really have a big impact on you know young women and kids deciding not to do sport anymore and it's just so sad to think of mm-hmm. um, you know what do you think kept you playing I know Saoirse you played for Cork as well in women's football in Gaelic football excuse me so like you were obviously you know fully committed to sport was there ever a time that you thought you'd leave it no I think definitely for me um, like I always say like football friends are for life Mm. and all the girls I've met from Cork GA to Cork City to Shells to Irish teams I'm still friends with all them girls Mm. Um, and I think it's just a community and it's kind of I suppose a feeling of belonging I think that's really important now that it's not just in P lessons that it's go play f- whatever 10 v 10 on the pitch yeah. if someone doesn't want to play leave them be a referee leave yeah. them be a coach Yeah, show them, them other options yeah, yeah, give them the other outlets that are there and I think it's really important that we do that mm-hmm. um, for me I always just wanted to be kicking the ball mm-hmm. so it was never never the case but I have seen that when I was growing up there are girls that don't want to kick the ball mm-hmm. but they are interested they do want to watch it they might have an eye for a game and I think it's it's seeing now that seeing Ina do her UEFA badge, seeing Michelle uh, referee in a World Cup. It's just all these little things. It, again, it's can't see, can't be. So yeah. I think it's brilliant. That's a really good point. I played football for years um, to try and impress my dad. I did not <laughs> good at it. It's the truth. Mm. Uh, it didn't work. Um, I wasn't good at it and I didn't enjoy it, but I really understood the game. And yeah. I, maybe I could have done a bit of coaching, yeah, you know, yeah. kids coaching or whatever, but it, was, you know, it didn't seem like an option at the time. Yeah. And I don't think... Now I'm old, but I don't think there were any women. It was all the dads coaching, yeah, yeah, always. But I see now, say, in our local GAA club, there are mums getting involved. So maybe things are turning. Yeah, it is trying to change the perception. I think it's confidence in women. Like, Mm -hmm. men are straight up to go in and the women feel like they don't know enough about it. And a lot of time men think they know. Yes. But they don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, like, they do. No, I think the research backs that up, yeah. They have this, this inner confidence. And I think it's about not even just in football in sport in general it's about finding your thing whether it's a team sport an individual sport that yeah. every kid should be given so much opportunity to explore yeah. what they do and what they enjoy because mm. um, obviously we know the benefits of team sports and mm. um, any 
sort of physical exercise for your mental and, and yeah. your physical health long term as well yeah 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 well look I thank you so much for making the time for me I know you guys are up to your eyeballs um, I cannot wait to cheer you on every chance I get whether it's in Tala or when I'm watching you on the telly when you're in Australia <laughs> the very very best of luck Saoirse Noonan and Anya O'Gorman thank, thank you, you very much Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This segment is brought to you by Now. Well, as you know, Succession is back with its final season. (laughs) I don't want it to end. Episodes are available to stream every Monday on Now, and you can also stream all the previous episodes there. And I, for one, am absolutely loving it. I mean, you literally can't, like, you can't open an app without someone talking about how good it is. And it's because it is just so good. I'm so glad that it's back, but also so sad that it's ending. But in a way, I think it's great that we know that it's ending kind of at its height and we can savor every minute of it. And I definitely am. I'm absolutely loving watching the Disgusting Brothers in action. Even just the term Disgusting Brothers is so enjoyable. Tom and Greg continue to deliver comedy which you need sometimes in this you know you need a referral to a little greglet here or there to lighten the mood we saw we've seen them in a karaoke room which I thoroughly enjoyed having recently been in a karaoke room that looked very similar to the one that they were in wonder if they would drip in a little few little more situations like that where we get to see them in situations that we might find ourselves in it might be fun the juxtaposition of you know people's actual lives and the way that billionaires live although I suppose really we don't want that do we We want to see them billionaireing I actually saw an interview with them Kieran Culkin, I've become kind of obsessed with him, um, who plays Roman. I saw an interview with him on TikTok there and he was saying that, you know, there were some little things he discovered about billionaire life through filming the show. And one of them was that billionaires don't have coats because they're never outside. 
they just go from like chauffeured driven car to private jet to, you know, cushy warm room that like there's no point in them ever putting a coat on. Um, and I suppose these are the valuable insights into the way of the billionaire that succession gives us. This week, obviously, absolutely massive episode. I'm not going to say what happened, so don't panic. Um, but I think it was really thrilling to see something really huge happen in episode three of this series because we've still got so much more to go. So it really does raise the question, what's going to happen? And I think what this most recent episode really made me realize is just how much I love these characters. Like, you know, at the beginning, I think a lot of the pleasure of succession was that they were all so unlikable and horrible. Like when you think back to, say, Roman's kind of first episode, remember he offers the child a million dollars the child who like comes from a working class family a million dollars vegan make a home run and it's so cruel and horrible and yet watching this week's episode I was like I actually have like a real tenderness and softness for each of the children except for maybe Connor Connor is terrible I do feel sorry for him but like he's he's bad I think he's bad but like Shiv I mean what a performance what a performance in this week's episode. Absolutely mind-blowing from Sarah Snook. Kendall, I have kind of had such a tender place in my heart for for some time now because he's just, God love me, just wants his dad to love him. That's all he wants. And Roman, I now love somehow. I don't know how it's happened, but they've made me really love him. So yeah, who knows what's still to come this season. It's going to be great if that episode is anything to go by. And the two previous episodes were excellent as well. It's a real roller coaster. If you haven't gotten involved, I mean, honestly, why not? Why not? I just don't understand why you wouldn't. Um, you can, as I say, stream all the episodes on Now and stream the new episodes of Succession every Monday on Now too. absolutely delighted to have James O'Hagan back on the podcast this week. We recorded remotely today because of the Joe Biden um, traffic takeover. James is staying at home to avoid um, traffic, which makes total sense to me. So that's why it sounds the way that it does. We had lots to talk about, though, um, from Ariana taking a stand against people commenting on her body to the question of a Liam Payne, Tommy Fury fight. There was lots to discuss. James O'Hagan, LGBTQ plus activist. It is such a delight to have you back with me once again for your respite from the events of the world. (laughs) Absolutely. But I mean, like it is a roller coaster this week. We are we are we are going through it. Yeah. In the the emotions of entertainment. That's true. We really are. We really are. Let's start with the story that I texted you last night at like 6 p.m. and was like, please, can we talk about this tomorrow? Um, because it's kind of set the internet alight. I tweeted that I my eyes couldn't roll hard enough. It is a fight between Tommy Fury and Liam Payne of One Direction. Tommy Fury, who most people would know from Love Island, I think, unless you're particularly yeah. into boxing. And um, these fights, what? I mean... I, I mean, Pain and Fury, I mean, if that's not the perfect uh, title for a brooding 90s police procedural, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but it is, like, I, I don't know. Of course, it has been outed today that this is not, in fact, a fight. This is some kind of soccer aid, um, some kind of soccer aid fundraiser. So sort of like saving the children. And they, they, they got us all with this. And to be fair, like, there was lots there. I mean, when I was doing my research last night, looking at all of this stuff, thinking, like, what is this going on here? I've always thought that Liam Payne kind of has, like, I, I don't know, sort of um, 
on the edge kind of energy you feel like he probably would like let loose in a boxing ring a hundred percent he absolutely <laughs> would like did you see him when he was on that logan paul podcast absolutely he said that like if there's any opportunity in the 21st century to be gladiatorial i'm in yeah. let's do it like i mean you know and he, he spoke about um how he had some jujitsu master who like sort of basically would make examples of anyone asking questions and he was like oh my god hail to the hail to the god here i i can't question this person uh, anymore because it, it it is like he has had since his very beginning i think he has just been like lean pain for me is just a personification of bitterness yeah like he is he feels like as if he has just been like i was meant to be i was meant to be harry styles yes. i was meant to be this one and it's like he has been like looking for an avenue for that anger so i wasn't one bit surprised no when i thought we were getting like a light out boxing drama at old trafford next summer with him and and tommy fury i i, I i'm a bit disappointed to be honest <laughs> I thought it was going to be really fun. I was looking forward to the build-up. I was looking yeah. forward to sniping from the I was side. Like, yeah, I was looking forward to talking <laughs> about it. Like, I obviously don't personally think... I don't enjoy this realm of toxic masculinity where men who are not like in the sport of fighting or boxing or whatever. And there's obviously an entire conversation to be had about that. But like, you know, who suddenly decide, oh yeah, I, I'm a man enough to take on the big man. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't like it. But at the same time, I was looking forward to chatting about how ridiculous this is. And they've taken that from us. Just one more thing Liam Payne has taken from the world. Um, that's actually unfair. It was an important part of One Direction and I am grateful for it. Thank um, you. And to whatever his solo offerings were, I'm sure they were great. They, mm, well, <laughs> you're, you're on your own on that one, babe. Um, okay, uh, let's move on because unfortunately that was a storm in a teacup or a boxing match in a soccer aid game. Um, so mm -hmm. we've got lots more to discuss. And as you said, we are kind of really running the emotional gauntlet today. This next one is not as fun, um, but I think really important to acknowledge. Ariana Grande um, got online the other night and did like a, a piece to camera as too formal, but like a, you know, talking yeah. to her phone bit which she doesn't normally do and i thought it was no. really good but also really sad that she felt she had to do it no completely and uh, as you said like she was clearly uncomfortable when she was when she was recording this tiktok she referenced a couple of times during it about how this is not the way she likes to communicate with people and obviously this was something that she felt was really important for her to say but yes so she's currently filming wicked in uh in in london i believe and there has been a lot of speculation particularly on reddit around whether she's too skinny whether she is uh whether she's sick there's been a lot of speculation about her body and so she came on to tiktok basically just to ask people as jonah hill has done before not to comment on her body and to sort of say that we she's you know to ask people to like to, sorry i'm after getting myself all mixed up there that's okay. Looking for the looking for the quote. Where was it again? Oh yes, we should aim. She she said that we should aim towards being safer and keeping each other safer and and asking people not to comment around kind of like what her appearance was. And you know, I thought that we sort of made a bit of progress on this. I thought that this is something that we kind of had moved forward on. I thought that there was a feeling like as if we were past this point where it kind of was like absolutely okay for people to start commenting around kind of what a person's body was particularly doing. But earlier this year with that whole Ozempic conversation starting, it just feels like it set us back 
a huge way around the way discourse goes on people's bodies and like the shape of people's bodies and if people are putting on weight or losing weight and this mm. kind of speculation it, it's only a bad thing it's only a negative thing and we should only be stopping it yeah and I what I appreciated was that she didn't just say I mean she did obviously like in a very kind way read people for filth for commenting on her body but she also said we shouldn't be commenting on anyone's body. And this is like, I mean, listen, you and I, I know we've been saying this hymn sheet for mm. years, but like, you know, we really should not be commenting on anyone's body ever. Like there are plenty of ways to tell someone you think they're gorgeous without commenting on their body or, you know, and obviously if someone you think doesn't look well, then it's even less appropriate. You know, it's never appropriate, but it's even less appropriate to make a comment. Yeah. Like um, you don't... Well, I was just going to say, and she said herself, you don't know what someone's going through. You don't. Yeah. No, and she said she said in the in the in the piece, and I think this is something that's really important to to sort of hold when you are looking at someone and think like, oh, I'm not going to comment on kind of how they're looking or use their visual presence as an indication of kind of like how they're doing. Is that you may be assuming someone's health or someone's healthy based on what they're looking like or what they're wearing or you know how their body particularly is, but that may not in fact be their healthy. And like you hear stories about people who lose weight through illness and then you know find themselves you know receiving an enormous amount of compliments because mm -hmm. they suddenly have you know lost weight which is perceived within society to be only positive and only something that you could be striving for but in fact it's masking you know a hugely negative kind of um yeah. and a hugely unhealthy thing Angelina, well or, or i've never hugely... i've never gotten as many compliments about my parents as i did when i had stage three cancer never <laughs> and i never will exactly. i never will <laughs> But ultimately, you said that we should be gentler and less comfortable commenting on people's bodies, no matter what, no matter yeah. how big we think they are, no matter how small we are, no matter what they look like. And she even said, like, no matter how much work you, you sort of like, you know, um, work you, or aesthetic work someone may have had done. It is just like a person is allowed to present in the world as they present in the world. And we shouldn't be sort of undermining that or going out of our way to kind of like point out something because you don't know what a person is holding yeah. about how they feel uh, about how they feel about their body. It's. I just don't know why we feel this like entitlement to judge and comment on people's appearance at all. Uh, and I think people would argue, well, you know, people put themselves out there and, you know, why do you get dressed up if not to, but like, you know, for yourself, because you enjoy it, because it makes you feel good. Like there's loads of reasons that people would do things, you know, to, to change their appearance or to make, you know, to look a certain way that doesn't mean inviting response from other people. Like it can literally just be for you. And, Absolutely. you know, it's just the, it's, it's an entitlement that a lot of us feel that that we have been socialized into by the way like I don't you know if you're someone who's like struggling with with stopping making comments I understand that and I have all, all, all like genuinely often found it's on the tip of my tongue you know when you see someone and they've lost a lot of weight we are raised <laughs> to go yeah. oh you look great you've lost weight like it, it you know and you almost have to I've I know the experience of trying to like hold the words in your mouth but you have to train yourself to find another thing to say in that instance instance that doesn't have something to do with their body like as much as it's it comes naturally to us we have to work really hard against that instinct that we've been taught to have to change it because that's the only way we're going to change it for our kids and for future generations and for the world no completely and, and it, it is about unlearning that because i'd be exactly the same like i i have i have been through many my body has been through many eras mm, it, has, same. It, it, it has had you know sort of eras where i have been like very close to what is like the aesthetic version of what a body of my type should look like and yeah. you know you get all of the compliments but you, you know you you if you have 
grown up in a body where you have been uncomfortable or where over a period of time you felt like you've been out of place or you haven't mm. matched a particular kind of you, you met a particular goal you, you constantly are aware of that and even at a point where you might feel particularly good about yourself then yeah. you were living off that like external validation yeah. so we I, I I am now at a point where I, I don't want anyone to talk about her exactly as a sort of Ariana Grande and Jonah Hill before her said is like I don't want people to talk about or mention my body when they are speaking to me if they think I look well that's very nice but you know internalize that and then compliment me on something else and yeah. I think it's a, it would be a really healthy thing exactly for us to to teach next generations coming up so that that initial response to seeing someone or the initial positive response to seeing someone like say it, it are, is, isn't just around the fact that your body has changed in shape to a more kind of expected or you know sort of like a more desirable yeah. as set by society shape yeah and also not to assume that that's a good thing because as we've said you know Absolutely. it might not be like you just don't know like so you don't want to be the person complimenting someone because they look great when actually they've had a flesh-eating virus or whatever <laughs> like no, I mean, you know I, I, and also, like, I mean, I, I like, you know, not even remotely comparable to, 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 to cancer or illness, but like the times of my life where I have been at my like skinniest or most fit have been times when I have been miserable yeah. in the depths of depression like, after like absolute heartbreak. And it's like, you know, you, you kind of find yourself then and like people are giving you all of this validation, but you're like, well, this is not how I feel. Mm-hmm. And the times where I have been at my heaviest are the times that I've been most fulfilled in my life. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's so weird that you're kind of fighting that, uh, that yeah. position. Totally. Um, okay, we've got some romance to talk about, a breakup and an engagement. Um, we'll start with Taylor Swift. Apparently she has broken up with Joe Alwyn. Alwyn, excuse me. I always add in a D there. Um, mm. I, I don't have any real feelings about this, do you? <laughs> no. Um, I, I, yeah, so he, he obviously hasn't been spotted at, at her recent uh, era's tour dates and fans have noted that she, she was crying during some of the more emotional songs, uh, particularly mm-hmm. Champagne Problems. Um, and sources in heavy inverted commas have said that like difference in personalities, they weren't right fit for each other, the relationship had just run its course. I think that all feels pretty, you know, mature. But as we are talking about eras, we won't know until Taylor's next era yes. whether that's actually the reality of the situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The next album, I'm sure, will tell a story. Part two will uh, will give us an insight into that. But yeah, I I mean. They've always felt like a very low-key couple. They've been together six years. It hasn't felt like it hasn't had the high drama of mm. the, the Harry Styles or even the, the end of the Calvin Harris kind of kind of period. Mm. So it, I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I've I've certainly had those relationships that were very happy and were very nice, but they just ran their course. And yeah. there was no hardship or heartache when, yeah. they, when we went our separate ways. So absolutely, yes. Yeah. You know, we, we start a... a, a uh, a media medium like medium drama no drama breakup it's lovely yeah. no absolutely I think live your life Taylor I'm excited for the next Taylor Swift romantic era she's been doing some interesting likes around the internet as she always does she's mm-hmm. so sneaky about the way she drip feeds us little bits of information so I am watching with interest there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, have we had a Taylor Pete Davidson hookup yes I do not see that happening James I'm just gonna say right now I do not see that happening and in fact if it happens, I I don't have a hat, but I'll eat something that is not meant to be eaten because I would be that would be the most unexpected thing I think at this point. I forgot about the Kim K connection there, so that again would 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 add it into to another. Oh area my god! Of, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, uh, and then the engagement, which I'm going to try really hard to be 
not overly judgmental about is <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown's engagement to John Bon Jovi's son, whose name is Jake. Is it Jake Bon Jovi? No. Yeah, no. It is. <laughs> I, I, I could not believe the biggest thing that I took out of reading up with this story was that that's how Bon Jovi's meant to be spelled. Oh, I'm yeah. Assuming. Bon Jovi. I knew there was something with Bon Jovi's name. Yeah. So it's actually B O N G I O V I, like an Italian name. Bon Jovi. Gas. Yeah. I mean, these are two. I mean, like, uh, she's 19, he's 20. These are two spectacularly beautiful people who are, you know, just dripping in, in wealth and privilege. And I, it, 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 they've, I, I mean, they're just so young. I, they're just I, I, so like, young. They're so they're young. <laughs> you're 19. I, I can't. Live your life. Have the relationship. Enjoy the beauty and the wealth. But you do not need to get married. No, exactly. That's exactly where I'm coming from. I just don't understand this compulsion. Like, you don't even know yourself when you're 19. Like, no, I'm 40 and I'm only getting to know myself. Like, you don't, you know. But, I mean, there's no point. There's no point in telling them, James. They won't listen to us. We're no, just too... funny duddies. <laughs> exactly. They, Stay out of our way. We're running to the church. Uh, no, but I, I, you know, that they've been together for two and a half years now. Um, and, you know, they're very kind of like, I suppose they've been quite secretive about their relationship up to a point. Mm-hmm. So we aren't getting an enormous window into it. Like, obviously, they, they didn't actually sort of even, even though I think that they, it was only about a year in before they kind of officially announced it. Uh, and then they they captioned. I thought it was interesting, and a throwback to the Taylor uh, to the to the Taylor drama of the, the last yeah. one. She, she captioned her engagement photograph. I've loved you three summers, honey. I want them all. And I'm just like, it just that even like using a song lyric yeah. as your kind of engagement caption just shows you it's like this is you're, you're not ready for this. No, they're you're not babies. ready for this love. But Focus like, on writing your your uh, your horror novels or whatever you're doing these days, Millie. Or well, she has a very successful beauty brand, actually. Fair play to her. Um, look, I mean, they have to make their own mistakes, James. Do you know what you mean? You just have to let them live and learn. They do. They do. <laughs> look, we can we can get together about a year from now to talk about this all disintegrating. It'll be oh, great, crack. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, the the other thing is though, you know, you have to like let's love young dream. They could very easily. No, they couldn't very easily. They could conceivably yes. end up being that match that stayed together forever, and it could be yeah. Millie Bobby Bon Jovi, and <laughs> they could <laughs> having beautiful, beautiful children that are carrying on the Stranger Things. Yes. It's my life, uh, you know, legacy, and and good for I, them I if it. they do. You know, me too. Absolutely, I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I'm not wrong, <laughs> but I'd love to be wrong. And okay, now let's move on. This is unfortunately really sad news, and I I actually was surprised by how many people texted me about this. I think it really hit people of a certain age very yeah. hard. Um, and this is the death of Paul Cattermole of S Club 7. Yeah, 46 years old, which is just, I suppose... So young. Just so young. I mean, just... And I, I just to say, as well, I got about five or six messages from different friends after that. So I think, like, it is very much, like, people who were of that era where yeah. S Club 7 were kind of all consuming, you know. And they just embodied joy and they embodied fun. Yeah. And they were just on the brink of this massive comeback. But... You know, I, I suppose. I think in that's thinking it about this, too. I think that factor too. The fact that they were like getting back together and they were going to be doing this reunion show. Yeah. You know, the fact that this happened right before that, I think, really made people feel extra sad. It, no, it really did, and, and I think the the most, I suppose, well, the most tragic thing about this is is that that a person of forty six years old, which is far too young to die, it, it had has died. But 
you know, secondary to that is the fact that I suppose he came up in this time where celebrity culture and, and celebrity sort of public discourse around celebrities was just cruel and sneering and yes. judgmental. And, mm-hmm. you know, he he was, you know, I suppose a victim of a, a, an industry that kind of like was looking for ways to like enrich the already rich and to keep yeah. the sort of the younger talent. And so they were signed as, so in fact, which I only discovered in reading about this, when S Club 7 were initially signed, Simon Fuller was signed to the record label and S Club 7 themselves, like the band, the seven members were just affiliates. So I think they made 150,000 over the course of the time that they were in S Club 7, which is nothing compared to the the glare of the media that they were in. So they had all of that, like the full glare of the world, the eyes of the world were on them. And what came with that was the assumption that they were making all of this money and that they were going to be enriched for life. And therefore, when they started falling on hard times, it fell into this natural storyline of like they're irresponsible with the money or like, where is it? Like, why are you having to sell your Brit Award on, on eBay? You know, I think there was a story about Anna Spirit two years ago having to move into an like a friend's office block because herself, her partner and her two children didn't have the money to, to, rent, uh, to rent a house. It's like, these are people who were at the very, very tippy top of kind of like celebrity culture in the early noughties. They were people who, I suppose, like they defined an era. Like if you think about both of us getting messages and so many people like us getting yeah. these messages, these are people who are so important to us. And the fact is that they were excluded from like the hundreds of millions that were made off some of the 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 enormous yeah. pop songs. Like but then they, they had did... to carry that anxiety with them. Yeah. It's disgraceful. Like they sold more than 10 million albums. They had 11 UK top 10 singles. They had four number ones. They toured endlessly. They endorsed constantly. Like so much money was made by that band and they got almost nothing for it. And you can also, like, I mean, look, you don't want to read too much into it, but like, you know, coming back together and doing it all again, I'm sure you know, would bring up old feelings. You would be, you know, optimistic, but also maybe a little bit scared. You might not physically be the way that you were previously. Like all of those things I can imagine would put a lot of pressure on you. Uh, It's just, it's just terribly, terribly sad. Yeah. And I think for, for Paul himself, I suppose like he had apparently come from more of a, a sort of a, a, a heavy rock background and his, interest had been more so in that music but the opportunity for it to go into s club seven and it came up he was in the band and he was in a public a very public relationship with with hannah one of the other members for, yeah. for a while and when he left in 2002 he tried to go back to to i suppose make the music that he had wanted to make yeah but at that at that time if you were in what was considered to be a manufactured pop band you were just automatically considered to not be a serious person you're you, and therefore his band net was never given the opportunity to get off the ground he he found himself in that sort of no man's land where I suppose you, as ever the female members become the more desirable to have featured in the reality TV shows. The male mm. members are a bit you know pushed to the back. So it just it just was a very tragic story, and you know you just hope that somewhere in his mansion, Scrooge McDuck style, full of money, that Simon Fuller is having to grapple with even a tiny portion of guilt yeah. for the fact that he has put these people into, it may not have saved Paul Catterall, it may have been nothing to do with, with you know, the fact that he he was, you know, living in poverty for a long time. But at the same time, like, it, it, it is just really awful that, like, people who defined our era have mm. been left so sort of impoverished and unlooked after by the people they made so much money for. Absolutely. Simon Fuller's comment on Paul's death was, Paul was a beacon of light for a generation of pop music fans and he will be greatly missed. We're all deeply shocked and saddened by this news. 
Before I let you go, Matty Healy has said he's going to stop being an arsehole. Do you believe he it? He did. I, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, he was just in his arsehole era and it's coming to an end, you know? An arsehole era that was, you know, Nazi salutes, eating raw meat on stage, attempting to give a thesis on racism that his fans, like, cut his mic before he get into, kissing a whole load of fans, checking people's ID. Like, I, I honestly... I, I see so much 1975 conversation going on. And other than Denise Welch having been in Coronation Street, I stay well out of it. I don't understand these people. Well, the thing is, right, they have some really good songs. Like, they have songs that I really love, genuinely, that I think are really, really good. Um, but he is just, I don't, but women love him. So I many women love I, him. I, I do not understand it. It's... I would be far more ex- excited to to meet Denise Welch. I have to be honest. <laughs> <I would> be- <laughs> Me too. I'd love to go for a drink with Denise Welch. Please. The loose woman, of course. Please. Any day oh, of the week. Oh my God. But no, we'll see if, the, we'll see if this like end of asshole era hangs around for a while. But I, I don't think so. I don't think you can hang up yeah. your asshole have that easily, Matt Healy. No, I won't be holding my breath. I won't be mm. holding my breath. Well, James O'Hagan, thank you so, so much. LGBTQ plus activist. Where can people find you, James? Uh, they can come on over and have a look at me on Instagram where I sporadically post memes to my stories. <laughs> or <laughs> if, they, if they feel so inclined. Um, or, or, you know, other than that, just if they see me around town, give me a, give me a thumbs up, but don't comment on my body. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Um, can I just say before I let you go, just as you mentioned memes, I saw a certain Gen Z content creator posting something about how basically millennials weren't allowed to talk about memes i was like excuse me i was like we invented memes we invented memes get ready for my thesis it's very short but i have seen this like this this millennial versus gen z uh kind of discourse that i've seen develop recently i'm like this is how I know I'm getting old now because I'm being pushed into the kind of the cantankerous old generation. Yeah. So long. We were the young ones. We're the fun ones. We invented memes. We invented gifts. But we did. <laughs> we did. And I have no problem with Gen Z. Go go off Gen Z. Like, I, you know, go live, live, live your, your young life. lives. Me- Love you. But leave us alone. Let us. We still get to enjoy memes. Okay. Jesus. Okay, James, on that note, I'll let you go. Have a good one. You too. Bye. <laughs> Now, just about time for me to go. But before I do, I just want to say I'm super excited to see those of you who are coming to the live shows in the Sugar Club next week. I'm excited. I'm excited. The guests I have lined up are super. I think it's going to be a really good time. Um, And I really hope you enjoy it. Looking forward to seeing you and meeting you. And if you missed out on tickets this time around, hopefully there'll be more shows coming soon. Um, It's certainly something that I would like to do more of. I mean, assuming that these aren't a total disaster, which I don't think that they will be for, I mean, fingers crossed, touch wood, all that kind of crack. Um, Also, in terms of recommendations, guys, like, I mean, I feel like everyone is talking about these shows, so it's not exactly going to be groundbreaking for you, but I highly recommend Swarm, which is on Prime. I first heard about it because Billie Eilish has a part in it. Um, I actually haven't gotten to that her episode or episodes yet, I'm not sure, but I've watched the first three or four episodes and it is really good. Um, it was created by Donald Glover, who you may know as Childish Gambino as well. And the premise of the program is basically that this girl who is a super fan of a Beyonce-like superstar, kind of her fandom 
leads her to some kind of intense and strange behaviors and decisions. I don't want to give away too much. It's dark. It. I, someone was asking me, how would you describe it? And I guess I feel like it has kind of a similar tone to the film Get Out, um, just tonally, not even in terms of like content. It just has that kind of slightly spooky, like strange feeling. Um, but it is so good. It's on Amazon Prime. That's Swarm. Highly recommend. Also, episodes are only about a half an hour long, which for me is good because I can't stay awake for much more than half an hour. And then everyone's talking about beef on Netflix. And I'm just going to join the everyone in telling you that it's really good. Um, it's an A24 series. A24, very cool kind of production company who make really good stuff. And it actually, start, <laughs> it actually starts with a road rage incident, which is not entirely dissimilar to the one that I experienced recently. If you listen to the Patreon episodes, you'll know what I mean. Um, so I was watching it going, well, you know, things could have gone worse. Um, and then you end up with a kind of feud, I guess you'd call it. Um, and and a collision of two people's lives it's just really good again I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give it away but definitely 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 worth a go um yeah so those I guess are my recommendations obviously like everyone else obsessed with succession as you've heard it's so good so so good um but yeah that's about it for now. I hope you have a really lovely week. Don't forget if you want to get in touch, if you have thoughts, feelings, concerns, 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423 is the catch-up phone. Send me a voice note and I will respond to them on the Patreon episode next week. Have a really lovely one. If you can't have a lovely one, that's okay too. Thank you to ACAS for having me on the network and to all of my lovely contributors. I will talk to you next Friday. Tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris, and Mop Master dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.